Well, my name is John Chastain. I serve as one of the pastors here at Redemption Hill Church. And uh, I wanna give you a brief update on our big move. So if you're new with us today, um, one of the things that we've shared over the past month or so is that starting September the 13th, we are gonna transition our morning worship upstairs to the Chevalier Theater. And so in view of that move, we'll still do all of our, we'll actually have more space down here to do kids stuff, um, kids ministry. Um, but there are some, some uh, needs with that, with that transition. And so we challenged our people, you guys, um, with a goal of $15,000. And I am thrilled to, to share with you that we've raised over $16,940. Man, God is a great provider. You guys are awesome. You guys rock. This puts us in a very healthy position um, with this transition to be thriving and I'm in maximizing that for the glory of God. So thank you. Um, if you, you're, you're still able to participate. If you haven't jumped in yet um, and, and you wanna give to help with this big move, you can do that. Just make sure later in the offering on, on your check, either note big move in the memo line or, or write that on your offering envelope so that we'll know that's what you're designating it for. Well, Today, we're gonna look at a theme that is common to all of us to some degree or another. And that theme is fear, worry, and anxiety. Um, but before we jump in the word, we're gonna look at Psalm 27 in a little bit. I wanna take a few minutes and lay a groundwork for us to think about how fear and worry work in our life. And then we're gonna go to the word and see it applied to that. So as we think about understanding fear and worry, one of the great resources I've pulled from this week is a book called Running Scared by Ed Welch. So if you're looking for a great resource to continue to read and think along these lines, I would highly recommend that. But I wanna just highlight a, new, a few things as you think about fear and worry. One of them is this. As you grow older, fear doesn't decrease. It actually increases. I mean, think about it. We possess more things. Thus, there are more things to worry about. There are more things to take care of. You can worry about it breaking or you can worry about somebody stealing it or whatever, but you possess more so you worry more. Another reality, the older you grow, the more relationships you have, the more people that you care about. And so the more people you care about is the more potential to worry about more people like kids and then grandkids and then it just continues from there. And then as you grow older, you accumulate more bad experiences. I mean, you could just watch the TV this week and learn about things that you didn't even know about that, that could bring you worry or fear. I mean, just think of the past week. What have we heard on the news in the past week? The attacks in Chattanooga, Tennessee? Random attacks? What about the sex scandal with Bill Cosby? The news of wildfires in California? We are confronted weekly with more and more things to potentially fear and worry and to consume our minds. I mean, as I mentioned those right now, some of you are probably like seeing fear and anxiety 
just escalate. Can I get an amen? Any? Okay, sorry, you can, you can keep that to yourself right now. So that's one of the realities. The older you grow, the more potential there is for fear and worry. Another one is, is that we must look in two directions in order to understand fear and worry. The first direction is gonna be a no-brainer. You're gonna look outward. There are real dangers out there, right? There's sickness, there's disease, there's death, there's war, there's economic collapse, and you name it. We could probably just spend our time together rattling off numerous potential fears and real dangers that are out there. Um, but not all fear is bad, right? I mean, think about this. There are times when it's good that there's a certain level of fear. It's good that I should be concerned about reckless drivers in Boston so that I'll wear my seatbelt and drive defensively. Like, I wanna be aware of that and I wanna know that. Now, I don't wanna be overcome with that fear, but, but I wanna be aware of it. For instance, here's another one. I also want to have a healthy respect for certain animals, both small and large. Can you, can you affirm that here? Like, we wanna know there are some things that actually are dangerous, and, and I wanna acknowledge that. I, I don't want to blow that off. I'll give you a real life example here. My daughter, Zoe, is fearless. If you've spent any time around here. So, man, we, we were coming up on almost a year with her bringing her home from China. And, and when we were over there, and, man, we were like, maybe, maybe we'll spend some time swimming. And there's this little pool, and, like, we just put her in, and she's, like, heading in the deep end. Literally, no fear. She'll go underwater, no fear. She came into the house yesterday and told me this. She said, Dad, if I jump off the deck, will you catch me? I mean, this is like, this is Zoe. Like, no fear. It, it, like, it doesn't phase her. Like, that's not good. You know, you want, she needs to have some healthy fear of water. You can drown in water. You don't want to just go jumping in the deep end if you can't swim. But we don't want to be overcome by those fears. The other thing, as we reflect on fear and worry and anxiety, I mean, just think about this. We all have different responses to these possible dangers and fears, don't we? I mean, we all don't have the same level of fear about everything. Why do some fears, even normal fears, cripple some people and not others? Why are some people even afraid of things that really aren't that dangerous? This leads us, as we think about an explanation for this, it leads us to a second direction we need to look. So not only do we look outward and see fear, we need to look inward. While fear could just be saying that you're in a dangerous situation, it could also be saying something so much more about you. Ed Welch says this, fear and worry reveal us. They reveal the things that we love and we value. What you fear can reveal what you cherish and treasure in life. So you guys with me? You nod with me? Follow me so far? We've gotta look outward, we've gotta look inward. So here's the reality. If, if fear can actually reveal something about me, well then there's actually something that we can do about it. That it's not just something that, that is totally external 
that there's actually a solution that we can engage in. And I wanna propose that the solution today is not to suppress your fears. I'm not telling you need to ignore them, suppress them, and pretend that they don't exist. Welch should suggest this. He continues on. He says, there's a better way. Rather than minimize your fears, find more of them. Expose them to the light of day because the more you find, the more blessed you will be when you hear words of peace and comfort. So the first step to conquering your fears and worry is to expose your fears it's to take a hard look at yourself and it's to ask some very heart-penetrating questions. I wanna share some of these with you. Here's some questions that you need to ask. First one, what do your fears reveal that you want, crave, desire in life? What do they reveal about your desires? Second, what do your fears reveal about who or what you're putting your trust in? And then third, what do your fears reveal about who or what you truly love? That's to look inward. Now, we're gonna turn to Psalm 27 in a second and say, okay, what do I do with the answers to these questions? But you've gotta confront the brutal facts. What's going on in your life and what's going on in your heart so that we can see the gospel and God come in and bring restoration and redemption? And actually, you know what I wanna do right now? I actually really want you to do this. So I want you to grab a piece of paper and a pen. You've got it there. And I want you to do this with me. I want you to pause right now and write down your top three fears. Go. What are the top three things that you are fearing right now? If you're having trouble, just what comes to your mind when you've just got empty and nothing's going on? What do you just find yourself like consuming your thoughts? What, what, do you, what do you see yourself worrying about often? What, what lingers back over and over in your mind? Here, here's some potentials. Is it, is it sickness? Is it, is it death? Is it the afterlife, eternal life? What's after death? What about war, money, singleness, loneliness, finishing college, getting a job, people. You fear people. That may be fearing people and sharing your faith. That may be fearing people at work. That may be fearing people that you have no clue who they are. Maybe it's social interaction. You fear failure, rejection, exposure. You fear something bad happening to your kids or being a bad parent. What is that? Just is everybody doing that with me? Your top three fears. Now here's what I want you to do. On that sheet of paper there that lists your top three fears, I want you to ask yourself this. What do your fears say about you? What do they reveal you really want, value, cherish, love? What do they say is really important in your life? You're following me? I'll help you, I'll give you a few examples so that you can look at your fears and, and maybe this will help you. So for, for instance, you fear rejection and criticism because you value approval and acceptance. You follow me? On the flip side of fear is something you want. 
And you fear it because you think it's gonna keep you from this thing that you crave, you desire, you want. Here's another one. You fear physical pain because you cherish comfort. Or you fear rejection because you desire to be loved. What you want is love, and so you're gonna fear rejection. Or you fear becoming overweight because you crave admiration for your good looks. You following me here? Maybe you fear the loss of money because you crave control and power. And you crave control and power because you want to live a certain lifestyle when you retire. And if you've got money, that's gonna be the solution to the things that you ultimately want. Welch notes, whatever you need is a mere stone's throw from what you fear. Whatever you need or think you need is a stone's throw from what you fear. And as you think about that list and what it reveals about you, I, also, I want you to process this with me. Often at the bottom of all of your wants and needs is that you think these things will truly satisfy you and bring you lasting joy, right? Now, I'll go back and give these illustrations again. For instance, you fear rejection because you want approval, but why do you want approval? You want approval because you think that it will bring you joy and satisfaction, that if you can get enough of it, it's gonna make you complete and whole and satisfied in life. Or you fear loneliness and singleness because you desire to be married, but why do you wanna be married? Now, there may be good reasons for wanting to be married, but it could also be that you think marriage is the solution to bring you joy and happiness in life. Or maybe you fear poverty or economic loss because you desire money, but why do you want money? You want money because you think that if you have enough money, you can purchase everything that will bring you joy and satisfaction. And so this is the vicious cycle of fear and worry and our needs and our wants. Your fears and worries reveal the deepest of really what you crave in life. Now here's what I want us to do. That list I want us to take that list and I want us to bring it before God to say today. And say, okay, God, what do you have to say about who this reveals that I, that I am? About these cravings, these desires, and these wants. Will you do that with me? As we go through the word today, this needs to be personal. This isn't about my fears and worries. It is, as I'm talking to myself, but I want you to look at yourself and say, well, what is God saying to me right now about these fears and worries that I have in my life. So as we turn to Psalm 27, we're going to see that God has given us the example of David to help us conquer fear and worry. King David had many reasons to be anxious in life, mainly the attacks of Saul and the enemies related to that that he continued to launch on him. But David was not overcome by fear and worry, but he turned to the Lord. And so David's words are preserved for us today as an example to follow. I really want this psalm to be the prayer of your life. That as we read through this, that you would say, man, I, I wanna pray this. I want it to be a vision and prayer for the direction 
of your life. And so what we're gonna see is there are four distinct sections in the psalm with four encouragements for conquering fear and anxiety. And the first one is this. Be confident in the greatness of God. Look here at the text with me. Psalm 27, beginning in verse one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. You see the, the many potential opportunities for fear and worry in David's life in these first few verses. There are very real dangers. I mean, look at verse two. His enemies are described as, as wild animals who are going to devour him. You hear that language? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, they were coming after him, they were pursuing him, and there was great potential for fear. And we hear this word fear or be afraid three times, even in the first three verses. You hear it twice in verse one. Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? Look at verse three. My heart shall not fear. And this fear language is contrasted with, a, with another set of words in verse three that concludes this first section where David says, yet I will be confident. There's fear and there's confidence. Did you know that one of the most frequent commands in the Bible is do not be afraid. I mean, you could just start in Genesis and, and, and read through, and often God telling his people, do not fear, do not be afraid, or fear the Lord, do not fear. It is often, I mean, in Psalm 23, just flip back there with me, one Psalm back, Psalm 23 you know it probably by memory. Verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. These commands in the Bible to not fear remind us that God is keenly aware of every single one of your fears. Fears are not trivial to God. Your worry, your anxiety, they're not trivial. God cares about the fears in your life. And I'll say this, he's not just commanding you to not be afraid just to get you off his back. You know what I mean? Just, just stop being afraid like he wants to get rid of you. That, that's not the sense of what he's telling you here. God is telling you not to be afraid because he actually cares so much about you. He is a loving, heavenly father. He cares about you more than you can even imagine. You see, when fear and anxiety come, here's what happens. They know what to run from, but don't know where to run to. 
They, you know this, right? You know I'm scared or I'm afraid, I'm anxious. You know that there's caution to run from something, but where do I run to? We know that we long for peace and for rest, but fear and worry does not know where that is found. We see here in Psalm 27 that peace, comfort, and rest lie in the knowledge of the one true God. How can David cry out, let my heart be confident. Because he knows that God is my light. God is my salvation. God is my stronghold. I mean, can you say that today? God is my light. This is personal. This isn't like God can, can be light. God is mine. God is my light, my strength my stronghold, the more you learn and know about the greatness of God, the more your faith and confidence in him will grow. So specifically, we see here some characteristics of who is this great God. The first one, David cries out, he says, the Lord is my light. Ed Welch says this, bad things lurk in shadows, but the light exposes them and they flee. Do you know why the solution to your fear and worry is not suppression and ignorance? Because God is light. And when you bring your fears and worries to the light, they can be exposed and they can be exposed by the truth. Because fear and worry thrives with lies in the darkness. The powers of darkness should not be feared because God is your light. When you are tempted with fear and worry, you're tempted to go walk in darkness. You want to go flee to that, that place where you can hide. But as God being our light, when you draw near to him, he penetrates the darkness with truth and he banishes evil. What lies that feed your worries and fear need to be brought to the truth and the light today? What truth do you need to walk away and embrace today to crush the fear and worry and anxiety in your life? God is my light. The second we see here, David say that God is my salvation or my victory or my deliverance. He had complete confidence that God was an ever-present help in time of, deep, of need. We just sang a song, our deliverer, our savior, God with us. Now I just wanna pause for a second. God promises that he's gonna care for us, but God never promises that we will be absent from all dangers. He never promises that, that you're never gonna, I mean, we're all gonna face death, right? I mean, I don't know, a, a lot of our fears are consumed maybe with, with health, like, am I gonna get cancer, or when am I gonna die? We're all gonna die. Like, the only thing that, that, that we may be doing is prolonging the amount of time we have on this earth, but every single one of us, we're all gonna die one day. And so I love, man, Ed Welch, as he's reflecting on this, 
He says this, the ultimate deliverance was not our rescue from the jaws of death because any temporal deliverance from death only meant death was postponed. And this is what we've got to, look, most of our worry is because we have such a limited view of life, it's the here and now instead of an eternal perspective. So he continued, it's only a temporal deliverance. He says the real deliverance was the death of death secured by the death of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus issues the surprising command, don't be afraid, because the God who made the world is the God who raised Jesus from the dead and calls you now to follow him. Believing in this, God means believing that is going to be all right, and this belief is ultimately incompatible with fear. You get this? So when I pray, God, you are my salvation, I realize, you know what? I can face the deepest, darkest, hardest things of life. I can face cancer. I can face issues with children and parenting and jobs and name the fear because I know I won't face it alone and I don't face it without hope. And hope is where we get the gospel. You see, I can be confident in God because I know the death of death has been won in Christ. When he laid down his life on the cross and when he rose from the grave, he has given me the hope of eternal life. So you know what? In Christ, I've already entered into eternal life. And death does not have to have a stranglehold on my life anymore. I am freed from the many worries of death because of what I have, the hope of the gospel in Christ. God is my light. God is my salvation. And then God is the stronghold of my life. In other words, God is a refuge. He is a safe place. And if this is true, if God is the place of refuge, if God is the stronghold, well, when worry and fear creeps in, where do I need to run to? I need to run to God. He is my refuge. But let me ask you this. Where do you run to when fear and anxiety overwhelm you? Where do you run? What gods, what idols do you run after? Look, we all do it. When fear overwhelms us, when anxiety comes, we want salvation or we want redemption. And we all pursue something that we think is gonna relieve the fear and anxiety. But as we saw last week, God is the only one who can offer, offer full and everlasting pleasures forevermore. And go listen to last week's sermon in Psalm 16, 11. With him is the path of life. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence there is fullness of joy. So fullness of joy forever. Only he can offer that. So we run to him as our refuge. He is a mighty God, a sovereign God, an everlasting Father, a deliverer, a Lord of hosts, a King of kings, a rock of ages, faithful one, good shepherd, and so much more. The more you grow in your knowledge of God, the more it's gonna crush the fears in your life. 
So Paul can conclude in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? Right? If God is for us, who can be against us? You know what? I want to go back and revisit those fears I listed earlier. You fear rejection and criticism because you value approval and acceptance. But if God is for you, why does it matter a rip about what anybody thinks about you? You are a chosen child of God. You have been adopted. You have been seated. And you are in Christ at his right hand. Why do you need approval from anyone else? That is truth that will crush your fear of rejection. You fear rejection because you desire to be loved. In Christ, you have the depths of love that no one can give you. So crush that fear. You fear physical pain because you cherish comfort. And in Christ, we've been told if God is for you, who can be against us? And Paul continues on that thought in Romans 8. And he says, shall death or life or anything separate us from the love of Christ? And he says, no, nothing. And so we may face physical pain, but I can do it with the presence of Christ and the hope that God is still with me and I'm entering into an eternal life with pleasures forevermore at his right hand. Do not fear. You know what often hinders us from engaging the mission of God? It's fear and worry. And I say this to you and I say it to myself. What is God's vision in Revelation? God's vision in Revelation 5 and 7 is of the throne, and there are people from every tribe, language, people, and nation before the throne, right? Let me ask you, is that going to happen? Is that going to happen? Yes! Do you believe that? Look, God is completely sovereign, and he is working a plan. The only, look, the church exists because God desires to see worshipers to the ends of the earth. Jesus has said, when this gospel has been proclaimed to the ends of the earth, then I'm going to return. The only reason he hasn't returned is because that mission is not complete. And we have the promise, even in Revelation, that it's going to happen. And God is completely powerful and sovereign enough to make it happen. So why are we afraid to engage in his mission? Not only do we know it's gonna happen, he empowers us for that, and so it's fear, it's worry. And so we embrace this knowledge of God and say, you know what, I'm gonna crush fear and I'm gonna engage in the mission of God fully confident that God's gonna do what he's told us he's gonna do. So be confident in the greatness of God. Let's move on. Second, seek the presence and perfections of God. Verse four in Psalm 27. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord 
all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord in my heart. This is probably one of the most single-minded statements in all of scripture. Look at verse four. One thing, we often go to God in prayer and we've got a list of things. He says, one thing that I've asked that I'm gonna seek. He says, I wanna dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Charles Spurgeon, as he was reflecting on this psalm, writes this. He says, divided aims tend to distraction weakness, disappointment. Let all our affections be bound up in one affection and that affection set upon heavenly things. Do you know what fear and worry does? Fear and worry wants to gaze upon endless opportunities for worry and anxiety and destruction and all the bad things that could happen to us. But instead of accumulating worries, Set your gate, look up. I mean, this whole psalm series is look up. Get your eyes off of yourself and off of the earth and look up and seek him. Be confident in him and seek him. And what are the things that David said he wanted to seek? He said he wanted to seek the presence of God and then the perfections of God. The presence of God. He says, I wanna dwell in the house of the Lord. He later says, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to acquire in his temple. What he, he's, he's referring here to the temple, the dwelling place of God, the holy of holies, right? The house of the Lord would have been the place of God's presence. And you see, so you see house of the Lord, you see temple there. Um, verse five, he says, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. Look, the, the high priest, was the only one who could enter into the holy of holies where the glory or presence of the Lord was. And David is so bold to say, that's where I wanna be. I wanna seek the presence of God. I mean, let's just pause here for a second. Where will we find peace, comfort, and rest in the midst of our fear, worry, and anxiety? Isn't it in the presence of God? It's in the presence of God. It is with God that all fears are, man, I'll give you an example here. When Ava, my oldest, was probably, man, two, I remember living in North Carolina, and I remember vacuuming the house one time, and, and you for a two-year-old, a vacuum can be, I mean, it can be like a big tiger, you know, it's, it's pretty wild and, and voracious, you know. And so screaming and, and coming to me, and what does she want me to do? She wants me to pick her up and hold her. And you know what she does when I do that? She's got peace. She stops crying. Why? Because in the presence of her father, there is confidence that I will 
care for her, that I will protect her. It is the same way thing with God. Go seek after God. Look, we have worry and anxiety come, and we go running off to everything but God. And yet it is in the presence of God where all of our fears are crushed. And so if you are gonna crush fear and anxiety, it is a confidence in who God is, and then it is to run after him and to seek him. And he is there, ready for you with open arms to care and to bring peace, comfort, and rest. That's why in Psalm 23, David can write, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And he continues, verse six, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It was, and so you see the presence of God and it's connected with the perfections of God. In the background of what David's saying here is Exodus 33. And in Exodus 33, I got a few verses here for you. Um, It's Moses, and Moses saying, man, I'm not gonna lead this people to the promised land because they've just created an idol and worshiped. And so, and so God says this, he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. You hear that language? I'm, my presence is what's gonna give you rest. And so Moses said, how do I know this? How do I know that your presence is gonna be with us all the way to the promised land? And so Moses says, show me your glory. That is the one thing that'll give me confidence that you will continue your presence with this stubborn, sinful people. And God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. You hear that word, Goodness. I'll make all my goodness pass before you and I will pro- proclaim before you my name, the Lord. In other words, God says, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna reveal all of my beauty, my goodness, my glory, my perfections, and you're gonna know, and it's gonna give you confidence that I will be with you. And so in chapter 34, a few verses later, it says the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And so when David here says, here's what I wanna do, I wanna gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, that's it. He wanted to be in the presence of God and gaze upon the perfection the perfections of God, the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the glory of God. And that was gonna crush. I mean, just to remind you, he's got all of these enemies surrounding him. He says, that's where I wanna be. And and ironic, you know what? David's not saying, God, take all of my, my, the the, the external circumstances away. You know know what our temptations to do? We wanna look at all the external circumstances. Well, if I wasn't in this, I wouldn't have fear and worry. That's not what David does. He doesn't focus on his external circumstances. He looks to God. And you know what the reality is, is as long as we're on this life, there are gonna be opportunities for fear, worry, and anxiety because we're all gonna face death. And you know what? Relationships are never gonna last. Friends are gonna move on and there's gonna be death and there's gonna, you know, there's all kind of opportunities for fear, for worry, for anxiety. But the one thing is constant is what? God is our refuge. He is the stronghold of our life. God's beauty and presence destroy fear and worry. But there's a catch here. 
you can't just enjoy the beauty and the rest and presence of God without seeking to follow him with your life. You see, oftentimes we want the peace and comfort that comes from the God's presence, but we don't want to follow his plan. So, you know, John Reddy in our welcome this morning, he read from Luke 12. It's the same passage in Matthew 6. And Jesus is saying multiple times, do not be anxious about what you eat. Do not be anxious about your clothing. Do not be anxious. And he's talking about the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. And at the end of this whole section on fear and worry, do you know what he says? But seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. What? In the midst of all this fear, seek my kingdom. And that is it. If you are going to seek the face of God, and if you're going to say, today I'm going to leave, and I want to I be like David, and I just want to gaze upon his beauty, and I'm going to seek after the perfections and presence of God, you've also got to come on and say, okay, God, what's your will for my life? I'm ready to follow. And you know what? David actually does that. Look on down in verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path. Teach me your way. So a part of seeking him was also coming to him and saying, God, teach me. How do you want me to follow after you in light of all that you are? So number one, be confident in the greatness of God. Number two, seek the presence and perfections of God. And then number three, stop worrying and pray to God. Stop worrying and pray to God. You know what? It's not until verse seven that David actually directly addresses God. He says in verse seven, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. What can we learn from this? Before you jump into prayer with all your requests, just pause and meditate on the greatness of God. See, we jump, we jump in often and we're just, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. But David is spending the first six about the, the light and the salvation and the stronghold and the beauty of the Lord. Just gaze on the beauty of the Lord and remember who God is and let that motivate and spur your prayers to God, it might even actually, it's probably gonna change your prayers as you see who God truly is. But you know what, in your battle with fear and worry, prayer's gonna be challenging. Do you know why? Why do we worry? We worry because we think if we can worry enough, we can actually control the, the outcome. That's why we worry, we crave control. We, we feel helpless when fear comes. And so our solution is, is I've got to be in control because I want a solution. And so I'm just going to worry about it. And if I worry enough, I can control the outcome of it. But you know what happens when you pray? You lose control. It's to come to God on your knees 
and say, God, I can't, but you can. And when you do that, you start to crush fear and worry in your life. How did Jesus teach us to pray? In Matthew 6, he says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is teaching us about worry as he's teaching us to pray. He says, we pray, give us this day our daily bread. But often what is worry consumed with? Potential, the future. And Jesus says, this is how you pray. You come to me and you say, today, God, would you provide and give me everything I need? You know, if we had time, we could go look at the manna story in Exodus 16 of the Old Testament. And you know what God tells them? You get enough manna for today. And you get up the next day and you do it again. You know how many years they did that? Go read the story. Day after day after day, God was teaching them, you're gonna walk by faith and you're gonna trust me and this is how you pray. So Jesus, right before that, when he's tempted in Matthew 4, says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So we crush fear and worry by coming to God in prayer. The more you learn about God, the more you're actually gonna talk to God and the more you talk to God, the less you're gonna worry. It's like Ava coming and jumping in my arms again. Prayer is the way you engage the presence of God and bring it to the present. Fourth, be strong and wait for God. Verse 13, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong. Let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. David ends this psalm with the same confidence that he began with. In the beginning, he says, I am confident that God is gonna provide. And at the end, he says, I'm confident that I will look upon the goodness of the Lord. And so he's saying, be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And when he says here, I believe that I shall look, it's the same as referring to in Psalm 27, 4, where he says, I want to gaze. I want to look upon the goodness of the Lord. I want to gaze. This is going to be a present reality. God is going to provide. I am going to see the beauty of the Lord. It's going to crush all the fears and worries I have about these enemies in my life. But additionally, he invites the rest of us now. You see, he turns in verse 14, and he says, you wait for the Lord. So far, it's been David. He's been dealing with God personally. And then he addresses all the worshipers. He says, you all, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. And so this is an invitation for all of us into David's example for how he crushes fear and worry and anxiety. Fear and worry demand immediate deliverance. We want something now. But David says, you've got to learn to be patient and to wait for the Lord. As we do this, it'll increase our faith and our confidence in 
the greatness of God. So what's the point? The point of the sermon and of Psalm 27 is this. Do not be anxious or fearful, but rather seek the Lord and find comfort, peace, and rest in him. Do you know when worry becomes a problem in our lives? It's when we don't follow Psalm 27. But I guarantee you, if you will imitate this, be confident in the greatness of God. Seek the presence and perfections of God. You'll stop praying and pray to God and be sure and wait for God. I guarantee over time, God will grow in your life to greater maturity and you will crush fear and anxiety and have a greater confidence and trust in who God is in your life. My prayer this morning, your top three fears, that you would bring them to God and say, Father, I'm yours, and I believe. Have your way in my life. Let's pray. Father, we have many things to fear and worry, but we are confident that you are so much better and bigger and greater than any of our fears. God, I pray that you would increase our confidence in you, our confidence in Christ, our relationship with you in Christ, because it is in Christ that we are secure, that we are loved, that we are accepted, that we have your presence. God, I ask and pray for, for the people that are here today that just feel like they are overcome with anxiety and they want to go crawl into the deepest part of their life. God, I pray that they would, it would be exposed today. God, I pray you as the God of light would be their light and you as the God of salvation would be their savior and you as the stronghold and refuge would be a rock so that, that they, they would bring that to you. God, I pray you would give, give all of us grace to bring our fears and our worries to you today that we would crush our selfishness and our control and relinquish control and that you would be preeminent. God, would you set our gaze upon your beauty and would you remove it from the worries of this world? God, help us to set our eyes and to look up and to stay fixed and focused on you daily as we walk. God, show and reveal yourself to us as you did to Moses that we would not just hear those words, but know that you are loving and gracious and slow to anger. And God, would you bring renewal and redemption in us for your glory, I pray in Christ. Amen.